Hi, I'm Piper. And I'm Erin. Welcome to Off the Tracks podcast, where we explore what it means to do law differently. Today, we are joined by Erin Cowan. Erin is the founder and CEO of Flex Legal Network, Inc., a network of experienced freelance lawyers who assist sole practitioners, lawyers, and in-house legal departments on a project or contract basis. Erin herself is a freelance lawyer, writer, legal career consultant, and frequent speaker on topics like women and the law, business development, and innovative legal practices. And we are so excited to have Erin here. We love what Flex Legal is doing, and we're so excited to hear about your personal trajectory and how Flex Legal came to be. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm excited for this conversation. Okay, so Erin, we would love to hear a little bit about how your career has evolved over time, because we know that you didn't just immediately start as a freelance lawyer, and so we would love to know a little bit about what brought you to this chapter of your life. Yeah, I this is it's a long story, but I try, I'll try to condense it for the sake of the timing of this podcast, but um I never graduated law school thinking I will be a freelance lawyer because there was no such thing when I graduated law school in 2004. Um, Maybe they were doing things like this in the UK and the US, but it wasn't very well known to practice law in this way. And just for those who don't know what a freelance lawyer is, uh, what we do is we're lawyers who work with other lawyers to help them with their overflow legal work. So instead of working for one law firm, we freelance for multiple law firms. So if a law firm just needs help with drafting a factum one month and then the next month they need help with helping with a trial or legal research, we'll pop in and do that. Um, So yeah, my career really, it, it started off in the traditional sense. I went to law school having never met another lawyer. The only thing I knew about law, I learned from TV. Um, I just thought all lawyers went to court. I didn't realize there was these other lawyers who do corporate stuff and M&A stuff. I just assumed, you know, it was law and order. You go to court and you put the bad guy in jail. Um, So I had a steep learning curve about what the legal profession was really about, having never, having no lawyers in the family and not really understanding the legal profession truly the way it, it is. So I followed what my classmates did and they applied to Bay Street. So I I applied as well, not really knowing what Bay Street was. I just knew there were a bunch of lawyers or law firms that uh, worked on some street in Toronto. Why not apply? Uh, So I applied and I was accepted. And I started as a summer student articling and was an associate for about seven years uh, at at a firm doing corporate litigation work. And it started out great. Like I really, I love to learn, like I'm a continual lifelong learner. So I was learning really interesting stuff and working on really interesting files, working very long hours, but those hours fit my lifestyle at the time. My boyfriend then now husband was also on a at a Bay Street law firm. So we were okay with both of us just working long hours and you know, he'd crawl into bed at like four in the morning and I'd crawl out because I was starting my day because I was a I'm a morning person and he's a night person. And that that worked for us. Um, but, you know, things kind of change over time and priorities shift and you get married and you have children and you kind of get exhausted and burnt out working those long hours. And eventually, you know, the firm and I realized I was no longer the employee they were looking for. And uh, the firm was no longer the place I really wanted to be. 
Um, and that, that's fine. You know, you're not uh, wedded to being one type of lawyer and in one type of place for the rest of your life. And I feel like some people get stuck. And so uh, I left big law and went to an estate litigation boutique. And um, I made that decision rather quickly without thinking through whether estate litigation was the right fit for my personality. So to go from corporate litigation, where it's you know, very sophisticated general counsel as your clients, you're working on matters where really it's just about money and business matters, as opposed to a lot of emotions between brothers and sisters fighting over their dead parents' money. Uh, it was not for me. I lasted about eight months and I tell people it was about seven months too long. Um, it really affected my mental health with anxiety and depression. And I was uh, pregnant with my third child at the time. So I quit without another job lined up, something that, you know, everyone else tells you not to do, always have another job lined up, but I figured who's going to hire a pregnant lady. Um, and that's when the freelancing started. So I, I wanted, as I said before, I'm like a lifelong learner. I just, I could, couldn't just sit at home with my kids. I had plenty to do, but just not enough intellectual stuff. So I started picking up small projects from from other lawyers that I knew. So a factum here, blog drafting there. And I really enjoyed it. So when the time came to apply for a full-time job again, when my daughter was a bit older, my stomach just kind of sank every time I went to apply. And I thought, you know what, I really like this kind of piecemeal contract work where I can still apply my legal skills, but have a lot more control over my time and the work I take on. And so in 2013, I started freelancing. I called myself a freelance lawyer, printed off some business cards, and I went out and I hustled my butt off trying to meet as many litigators as possible to tell them what I did. And I got so busy, I was turning down work. And in 2015, I started Flex Legal, uh, where I was able to bring on other freelance lawyers to help me with the work. And it's been growing since then. Wow, that is an incredible story. And I'm excited to hear more about flex legal and freelance work. But to backtrack a little bit uh, further, can you tell us a bit more about what led you to choose law and a legal career? Um, as we know, you didn't have any lawyers in the family and worked a variety of different jobs including, I must add, runway model for wedding dress store, which I think is so cool. So please tell us how we go from walking down the aisle in wedding dresses to a legal career, because I love that. Oh, that's so funny. Um, the runway model, let me let me just explain the, the truth about that. It was a small wedding dress shop in Peterborough, Ontario, where I, so I, I grew up in a small village called Mount Pleasant, which is about a half an hour outside of Peterborough population, like 400 people. Um, but they were looking for models. They, the way they did their marketing was they went to different small towns and did these little fashion shows in hotels. Um, so I was hired and, uh, to wear bridesmaid dresses. Um, but, uh, there is a, well, there's a there's a funny story we may edit this afterwards or you can choose to keep it but one day I was normally I was supposed to wear bridesmaid dresses but one time they asked me to wear a wedding dress and it was strapless and they always make the sizes a bit bigger so that people can at all sizes can try them on I'm about halfway down the aisle and you're not wearing anything underneath the dress and the whole top just went woof down to my waist 
thank God this was pre-social media and pre when most people had cell phones on them. So uh, yeah, that was that was my fun time as a runway model. Thank God there's no evidence of that. So uh, <laughs> we may edit that part out, but anyways. Um, it's yeah, funny so because what- like, thankfully, like there are risks obviously to every career. And I would like to think like in law, that is not a risk. I would hope. Um, if anyone has had that happen to them in law, like that would just be a very weird workplace accident. But I'm very glad that that was pre-cell phones um, and and that it doesn't seem like it was too, too traumatizing um, and more just like a funny memory. But wow, what a what a journey. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So so I worked multiple part-time jobs and, and I sent you the list of everything from telephone book deliverer to runway model. Um, I was constantly working. I'm always busy. So I did my undergrad at Queens and uh, to go back to answer your question about why law school, you know, my parents always told me you you're always arguing, you're always debating, you should be a lawyer. But I didn't really think seriously about that because like I said I never met another lawyer I didn't really know if I could and I was cleaning out the basement in my Queen's University student housing um our previous tenant had left behind some stuff on a shelf and I was pulling it off and this book fell and hit me on the head and I picked it up and it was an LSAT prep book and I never actually really thought about the LSATs or I wasn't even sure what the test involved And I was just looking through and I love the logic puzzles, the whole, you know, Jim, Bob and Joe were eating steak and someone had salad to the left of them and how many people, you know, whatever, like those ones. I love those ones. So I started doing them just for fun at night. I kept them next to my bed and I do a few before I went to bed at night and I was getting them all right. And I thought, well, you know, everyone says I should go to law school. I did my undergrad in English lit, you know, women's studies and religion. What am I going to do with that degree? I don't want to teach. So I thought I would apply. And I have to say, I love my first year. First year was amazing. I I just, I know a lot of people struggle in law school, but I I found my, I found my spot. I just loved learning. I loved all the stuff I was learning about the law and new ways to think about things. And just, it it just was, it felt like I I found my spot. Erin, you're so much fun. Um, wow. I, it's so funny. I've, I'm slightly horrified, but I, I do have to remember like different strokes for different folks, um, that you love the logic puzzles. For me, the LSAT was a journey. And I remember the night before I wrote the LSAT for the second and final time, though, like truth be told, I should have written it again, but that's a story for another day. Um, I was still like doing some practice questions and, whatnot. And it was not going very well, especially in the logic game section. And my sister is five years younger than me. So um, at the time, she was very much in the early days of high school. And she just looked at my logic games book and did a couple questions, I think like maybe four and got them all right. Um, and so I just remember at the time, like looking at her horrified and like, I don't even think I even said anything. Um, so very just like laughing at you talking about loving these logic games. I don't even think I've ever told that story before. It's so (laughs) ridiculous and embarrassing. Um, but okay, Erin, I would love to know a bit about how you went from like freelance almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like seemingly somewhat as like a necessity, like you left your job with 
with no other job lined up. You were uh, like growing your family. So then you went freelance. And then how did that, what did that kind of look like at the start? And then how did it grow into Flex Legal? Yeah. So I kind of, starting the freelance lawyer practice was what really started the entrepreneurial journey for me. Um, naively, I didn't think of law as a business and it very much is a business as most people know that now, but when you start in a large firm, I felt like I was like, you have people doing marketing for you. You have people doing the bookkeeping, you have people doing the business, business development and stuff like that. So I, I really was just focused on the law side of the legal profession and not the business side. So when I started freelance lawyering, all of a sudden I had to do the advertising and marketing and getting out there and selling my services and figuring out how to do the bookkeeping and invoicing and all that stuff. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like I got excited to set up an HST account. <laughs> People think I'm weird, but, um, and I, I love the bookkeeping aspect of it. I, I, I still do all of our bookkeeping for flex because I can totally, I can totally, you know, farm that out or outsources, but that that's my happy spot. Like on a Friday afternoon where I balance our books and I get everything ready. Like I should have been an accountant maybe in another life. Um, so doing the legal side of the freelance lawyering and, and writing factums and doing the legal research and all that kind of stuff was exciting, but also the entrepreneurial side. And then that's when um, I realized there's, you know, there are, there are freelance lawyer companies in the U S that are doing well in the UK. There's other, like there's, there's, there's ways to kind of expand this and, and scale up my solo practice as a freelance lawyer. And clearly there's a need if I'm turning down business so Flex Legal really started as a side hustle to my side hustle, kind of. Um, so it was really small. I was spending maybe 90% of my time freelancing, doing the legal work, and 10% growing Flex for a good, like, three or four years. It really was um, just a way to kind of grow the business and have, so I'm not, not turning down work, but I wasn't a full-on entrepreneur just putting all my time into Flex. And then that's when the pandemic hit and my own personal freelance lawyer projects started draw, uh, drying up. And I thought, you know what, it's really been hard riding two horses at once and I'm going to have to pick one, I think. So I've, I've now, since about 2020, focused most of my time on growing flex and a little, so it's, it's switched from 90% practicing law, 10% flex legal. Now it's 90% running flex legal, 10% my, my own freelance lawyer practice. Um, and it's been exciting. Like not everyone has that kind of entrepreneurial interest, but I'm constantly, I'm self-taught. I didn't go to business school. I'm constantly having like a business book I'm reading and then like some other kind of fiction book um, to just try it. And, and I'm going to webinars and I, I did a um, um, accelerator program for women entrepreneurs. So that, that whole side of things has been really exciting. <laughs> yes, I also love going down rabbit holes and attending webinars and reading all the books. And I could easily fill all of my days with just business development, uh, I guess, or like CPD on growing your law firm and making your process better and everything. And my boyfriend is always making fun of me for how many webinars I'm listening to. <laughs> so I'm trying to scale that back a little bit and do you know, more actual putting it into practice rather than reading. But I definitely uh, can relate that that is just such a fun part of working for yourself. But can you tell us a bit more about what a day in your life is like and what 
you know, a day in the life of a freelance lawyer when you used to do more of that work is like? Yeah. So the freelance lawyer, my day to day, it would be, uh, I always try to do one thing to promote the business. So either as a tweet, posting something on LinkedIn, doing a networking coffee, going to a networking event. So there was always one part of my day where there was some sort of business development, whether it's really small, like the tweet to like, yeah, attending a, a full on event. Um, and then the rest of the day was would be really just working on one of the many projects I would bring in. I wouldn't bring in too many. So if it's, you know, I might have two or three on the go, whether that's researching for a, a legal research memo or drafting a factum or statement of claim. Um, so I would work on that. And uh, yeah, it's really the same as just being a regular lawyer, um, but not having to deal with clients calling you all the time. I feel like because my clients and freelance lawyers clients are other lawyers they respect your time a little bit better and they um they're better at giving instructions as well so when i was a regular lawyer i could meet with a client for an hour they tell me their problems i think i know what the legal issue is i know where we're going and then just as we're about to wrap up the meeting they're like oh there's one more thing i need to tell you and then it changes the entire claim I was going to bring or whatever, but lawyers understand it. So when they give you a problem or give you a factum or give you whatever to work on, it's already wrapped up in a little bow for you to understand. It's just the perfect instructions for you. Not always. Some people are really bad at giving instructions, but it's, I found it so much easier to work for other lawyers. And like I said, they respect your time a little bit more. And I think it's because they would rather their clients respect their time too. So I wouldn't, I, I'm not getting the phone calls at midnight or whatever, um, asking for things. They really kind of um, respect the, the the boundaries that I've set up. Yeah, that is really neat. And it kind of makes me think of when you're an articling student and uh, when I articled, it was like you were an articling student and you didn't really have like one department. You were kind of getting work from a bunch of different people. So it kind of just reminds me of like when I would go up and I would just get all these little assignments from other people and you would just uh, work on different things for different partners or different departments. And it's just kind of a cool uh, thing where you'd be working on a factum for one lawyer or working on um, a litigation file for one partner or a a corporate contract for another one. So it's kind of cool that you get some variety in your work as well uh, through your different lawyer clients. But thanks for explaining a little bit more uh, what your day is like and what kind of work you take on. We know that you used to blog a lot. And in your last blog post about a year ago, you said, life is too short. If something is not working anymore, change it. Can you speak a bit more about how this has guided you throughout your career and, and how this has helped you make decisions? Yeah, I think I'm more confident in listening to that. I think I've always felt that way. I've If something doesn't work, I just, I have to find a way to change it. I'm not one to um, stick through something if it's the negative side of things is, is more than the positive side of things, but it's... The comfort being comfortable with saying that comes with age and experience and the privileged position I find myself in now. Obviously, as a first year 
lawyer who may need to pay off law school debt and needs to have a job if, if it's a crappy situation you're in, but sometimes you just have to suck it up in order to pay the bills. So I'm, I'm saying this from a place of privilege. I recognize that. So it's easier as the time comes. I've always believed it, but it's easier to implement and easier to make those changes a little faster now. So now, for example, um, if I use that kind of philosophy for um, seeing red flags in clients, for example, before if I really needed the money and I could see this, this person's going to be difficult with my bill. They're already questioning my hourly rate. Um, their instructions are really bad, but I need the money. So I'm going to stick with it. And they may be a nightmare and they may, may be narcissistic and manipulative and whatever, but I will stick it out. But now I'm like, no, there is no reason to be stuck in this kind of situation. And I just say, no, it's a hard no if those red flags are there. So that I, I recognize that that is where I am because of, because of the place I am in, in life. But also looking back on my career, um, working at, on the, at the big, at the big firm, I did enjoy it until, it, until it just didn't suit my lifestyle anymore. And I just thought I could stay for the money and I can change who I am to fit this role that everyone thinks I should stay in and become partner at, at a Bay street firm. But life is too short. I just, I'm, if I'm not happy, like why live this life when you're not happy only to live a life that other people think you should be living. Um, and I think that also comes with age too, or I, I, I love to see, I love to see young people who have this confidence. I did not have it at the time, but it grows um, just to be comfortable and say, you know what, being a lawyer, the way you see a lawyer should be. It's not who I want to be, but I, I'm still, I'm still happy to practice law, but in a way that suits my personality, my core values and what I want in life. And if you look down on that, well, that's your issue and, and, and not mine. I think that's so important and like such cogent advice because, um, something that I've really been reflecting on recently is like your life is it's only yours. Like it's just for you. And so you're the person that like you're, you're living with every day. Um, maybe Erin, like you're living with three children and your husband, but like, you're also living with you. And so I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying and it's definitely advice that I need to, um, internalize a little bit. Um, and when I go back and listen to this episode, I know that I will, um, be sitting, nodding, um, agreeing with you and trying to figure out how to best apply that to my own life. So Erin, it's very clear that you've had a lot of really interesting um, successes in your career. And a lot of those successes have stemmed from maybe moments that didn't seem great at the time, like you've alluded to. And so I'm wondering if you could tell us like one of your favorite memories or proudest moments of your career to date. Yeah, I have a few different moments, like for my regular, I keep regular lawyer versus freelance lawyer. We're all lawyers, but it's hard to de delineate between the two. So when I was back being a regular lawyer in my air quotes here, um, I think what, what I was very proud of was sometimes I would appear in front of a, a judge or I'd be in court and, uh, you know, you get nervous and you don't know if you do a good job and, and you leave it and you're questioning, well, why didn't I say this? Or I should have answered the judge's question this way. And a couple of times after those um, appearances, the 
the judge took it upon themselves to reach out to partners at my firm or they ran into the partners at a you know, a legal conference or something. And they actually gave them compliments about my appearance in court and how well I did. And, 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 um, um, and, and the partner would email me and tell me these, these compliments. And I still, I printed off the emails and I have them somewhere as a reminder that no matter how crappy you think you did, uh, we're always hard on ourselves. And I think those are some of the proud moments where it's like, yes, I was a good lawyer. I I could do this. And all the hard work I put into preparing for those court appearances do pay off. So that I think I remember I I like to focus on those good memories of when back when I was a regular lawyer. And now that I'm a freelance lawyer, I think what I'm most proud of is the way I'm impacting other people's lives. So part of our mission and our passion at Flex Legal is to make law better for lawyers and to make lawyers love practicing again. And we do that in two ways. We help our freelance lawyers find a way to practice law that fits their lives, um, where for whatever reason, they can't work full time at a large law firm or any kind of law firm. If they they still want to practice law, this gives them the option to pick up, you know, a few hours a month or whatever works for them if they have other things going on in their life without having to quit law completely. And on the flip side, we help the the lawyers and law firms who hire our freelancers balance their lives a little bit better to take some of that extra load off their plate. So my proud moments now are when I get an email from a freelance lawyer or a a lawyer client saying, Aaron, I can't tell you how much my life has changed since I've met you and and Flex Legal and what the positive impact you've had on my life. And you know what, an email like that just just makes me glow for weeks on end because it knows I'm making a difference in the lives of stressed out lawyers, burnt out lawyers. This legal profession has so much to change. And this is just my one small way to kind of improve on the crappiness that can be the legal profession. Yes. And I have also benefited from Flex Legal. And just to clarify, it is also law clerks and paralegals and lawyers that are available on the platform. That's correct, right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, But I have used law clerks from that. And as a new solo lawyer, and still now, it's very hard to know how the ebbs and flows of business are going to uh, go. Um, and so having something like flex legal, where you can just hire people when you need them and are not obligated to have them when you don't need them is really helpful because it's hard as a solo practitioner to be like, Oh my gosh, I have so much work. How am I going to get all this done? And then thinking, okay, wait, but what if this dries up after this and I've hired someone and I am now responsible for making sure that they're you know, earning a good living and everything. So having um, something like Flex Legal has been super helpful in my own practice. And if you are struggling with juggling everything, I highly recommend checking out Flex Legal. But one thing you did mention at the end is uh, some things need to change in our profession. So what is one thing you wish you could change? Or even maybe it is changing as we speak um, about the legal profession. Hmm. Uh, one thing, there's so many things I'd change, but, um, as a former litigator, I, and I know this is just the nature of our court system, but just the adversarial nature of litigation and the conflict and the, 
I think there's a lot of trauma involved in, in being a litigator and dealing with difficult cases. And I don't know how we would change that. I, I, but I just feel like the whole system could be improved upon and be done in, in a better way. Um, there's just, there's a lot of lawyers out there who are unnecessarily aggressive. And I think maybe they learned about law from TV as well. And, uh, they need to, I don't know, I would appreciate having a little more, and I shouldn't say everyone, but there are some that that just are a little too adversarial, I think, and too assertive um, in the way they practice law. And it's not, it's not in the best interest of their clients either. And in, in, also related to the client side of things, I think access to justice, we have a huge issue there as well. Just the people who really need our help can't afford the lawyers. And I think even just um, the system is confusing. And I don't know if, if either of you volunteer with the Pro Bono Ontario hotline at all, but I remember thinking, I don't know how I can help these people in half an hour. Like, But sometimes they just call up and they say, I have this thing called a plaintiff's claim. Like, what is that? And just not even being able to understand because the system is just so confusing for some people or for it's confusing for me, too. And I'm a lawyer and I've been practicing for 17 years. Um, So just to be able to hold their hand through a phone call and explain to them the next steps. um, I just think it really highlights for me just the the issue we have with access to justice. I, Erin, I could not agree more. Everything you're saying, like, sometimes I wish I had a magic wand and could change all of these, like, perceptions and notions and, like, the way that we um, are conditioned to, like, just accept accept it as it is right now because it's so hard to move that chain uh, change forward. But I know that there's so much good work that you're doing at Flex Legal that is making a difference um, every day. Like you were talking about making a difference in the lives of the freelance lawyers themselves, but it's also for sure making a difference in the lives of people that that access the services that Flex provides. So Erin, totally moving away from law for a second. If you weren't a lawyer, what would you want to be doing? Like dream the biggest dream. What would be such a cool thing that would just feed your soul and make you happy? I, I don't know if it's a huge dream for everybody, but really I I would love to just escape from society for a little bit. And maybe it's the pandemic speaking, but um, I would love to just move to a cabin in the woods and write mystery novels because I feel like it'd be a nice little break from the bad news that's going on. And I could just use the creative side of my brain and I love to write. So I think, uh, I don't know if my husband and children would appreciate that, but uh, they could visit now and again. Oh, they're not coming. They're just visiting occasionally. Okay. Love that. Love that. I just envision like, um, have you seen the movie? Oh, I think it's called wild, but maybe it's not that. Oh, there was a really good movie about a woman who after like a big tragedy in her life, like moves to a cabin in the mountains mm-hmm. and like, it's a really rustic one. Like, I don't know if that's what we're thinking. Like maybe you'll have plumbing. This one did not have plumbing. Um, but it was like a really beautiful movie and I'm totally blanking on the name, but this is just what I imagine is like you just drinking like a nice cup of coffee in the morning, looking out at this vista in the woods and like writing on your little typewriter. I love that. Done. That There we go. There's my dream. (laughs) I love it. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We have so enjoyed hearing more about your work and Flex Legal, but we always like to end our podcast with the same question, which is what is something new that you've learned recently? Yeah. And this was hard. I, I, you gave me the heads up on this one and I'm like, I want to, I want to think of something really fun and interesting, but I think this is related to kind of law and what we were talking about earlier, but I learned and I've learned recently that if you set boundaries in life, people will follow them. So, and I'll explain during the pandemic, I found it's still the pandemic. I don't know why I say it as if it's past tense, but I feel like we're opening up a little bit, but I was getting a little overwhelmed with bad news and work, and I was having a hard time shifting from work to home because we're all working from home. And so one of the things I did was I deleted work email from my phone. So the only way I could read my emails was if I was sitting at my desk and I turned on my computer and I can read them. And I was really worried to do that. I was thought, am I going to lose clients? Am I going to alienate people? Am I, are people going to think I'm not working hard enough? And I, I let, it says on the, on the website, we only monitor emails nine to five Monday to Friday. And it has been a game changer for me. I can shut down. I can leave work behind and people actually respect it. They don't, I've been getting email. Like if I log in into the morning, there's an email that came in at eight o'clock and it'll say, Aaron, I know you're not checking email right now. So respond to this tomorrow. And I'm like, why the heck didn't I do this before? This is amazing. So this is kind of a little life lesson I learned is like, sometimes if you, you tell people how to treat you a certain way, they will treat you that way. So if they, if, if you, if people, if you let people contact you 24 seven and you answer their emails 24 seven, then of course they're going to email you 24 seven. But if you set parameters on that, they're going to respect them. And it's like, this may, this may be a no brainer to anyone listening to this podcast, but I'm like, wow, mind blown. Erin, this is so amazing because I was looking at my wall as you were talking and I actually talked about it last week on the episode with Amit about how I, I made this list of things on my wall that talks about like my priorities and things I'm dreaming of, but I redid the list yesterday because clearly that was the best use of my time. And on a list of my priorities, one of the things says, don't be constantly available because something that really stresses me out is being constantly available. And I am definitely guilty of being someone who responds like immediately, like instantaneously. And then I feel like not great because I think like I should have maybe taken some more time to think on that, like, or I could have made space for something else in that time or had more focused time to sit down and reply to all of my messages instead of just as they come in instantaneously. So this is a great lesson and definitely something that I personally am working on implementing. Definitely haven't mastered yet. I need to take a page from your book and, and sort of reflect on how I can do a better job of it. But thank you so much for giving us that tidbit to end things off with. And thank you so much for all of the stories you've shared with us today. It has been a pleasure talking with you and just like such a bright spot in our, in our week. Um, so we will link how to get in contact with Erin and how to learn more about Flex Legal Network um, in the episode notes. So if you're looking for more information about how to connect with Erin, freelance with Erin, all the good things, you can find it there. Um, and to stay up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Off the Tracks Podcast and stay tuned for our next episode coming next Tuesday. Bye.